and there truly is nothing greater than him. His greatness doesn't lessen, it continues to increase. Now I'm thankful to serve a God who's bigger than I can comprehend and who's greater than I can comprehend. And I'm thankful to praise that God with you here tonight. And I'm thankful you're all here. I just want to remind you, you can continue to lift up the name of Jesus and worship him through your giving of tithe and offering in our tithe boxes. Or you can give online via our church app or website. Let's say our declaration tonight. Let's declare these things over this place and over ourselves, over this atmosphere. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the real purpose of Christ in each of our lives. And we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. And I pray we keep that in the forefront of our minds as the world comes at us, as trials come at us, Lord. This world is fleeting and it will all vanish, but you remain and stay the same. And you are good and you will live with us forever. And Lord, I just pray that the rest of this service, your name be lifted up and we give our attention solely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's too quiet. Let's hear some Pentecostal people praise the Lord tonight. <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here. Thank you for attending tonight of all the other places you could have been. You faithfully chose to be in the house of the Lord, and that so much pleases our God. Hallelujah. Tonight, I'm going to get right into the Word. I've got a lot of ground to cover quickly. I, um, I'm going to go to the book of Acts. I haven't come to preach about Pentecost. I've come to preach in the power of Pentecost. I believe God's given us a word for this hour. I believe God's speaking to us as a church that's in a place that we've never been before. I believe he's a God of instruction, and I believe God is going to instruct us how to handle the times that are ahead of us. So the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1 through 9. Then Saul, still breathing, threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to, to the synagogues of Damascus. So if he found anyone who were of the way, in other words, if they were Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now I want to go to Isaiah 45 and 3. It's here we have a promise of God that is 
is absolute. Isaiah 45, 3, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness. I will give thee the treasures of darkness. I didn't know darkness had treasures, and probably neither did you. If you're like me, I only think of the darkness, I think of barrenness. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. I feel that revelation is going to begin to unfold in this place tonight. And he goes on to say that though, that though, that thou may knowest that I, the Lord, which I call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. This word is fixing to reveal to us something about all this darkness that surrounds us. To reveal to us the truth about it. To let us know that God, say God, has got something hidden in it for us when we are in it. Something that is valuable to us. Let us pray. Father, we count it a privilege and an honor to be in the presence of the one and only true living God. I pray tonight, God, Lord, you speak to our hearts, God, with authority and with instruction, God. Empower your people. Encourage your people tonight, God. Help us through these times that we face. For we know our trust is found in you and you alone, God, Lord. And tonight, God, we receive what you have for us through thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. So once again, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that thou may knowest that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. God is declaring he has stuff, hidden places where nobody knows for such a time as this. How about you? Have you got some stuff tucked away in hidden places? No one knows where it's at but you whether it be valuables or jewelries or, or money and fruit jars like Pastor Miller has in his backyard. You know, I love to read the book of Genesis where God got ready to send the flood. And not only did the rain come down, if you read it closely, it says, he broke up the cisterns of the deep, meaning God had water hidden in the earth that was prepared for such a time as that. So it wasn't just what came down, it's also what came up. And it flooded the earth. God had pockets of water hidden that nobody knew where there was but him. I believe that God has pockets of blessings hid where nobody knows where they're at but him. So that when he gets ready to bless you, he's got a thousand ways that he can bless you. He can come from any direction. It can come from every direction. It can come from the least likely places. It can come in the morning. It can come at midnight. It can come during the worst of times when you least expect it. It can come from the north. It can come from the south. It can come from the east. It can come from the west. And can't nobody stop it. It can come from friends or foes. It can come from haters and spectators, even imitators, when God gets ready to bless you. So hold on. Don't let this darkness around you scare you. He says to us, an absolute promise, I will give you the treasures of darkness. Now, Jesus teaches us clearly for us to work while it's day. He says, work while it's day, for when night cometh, no man can work. But he didn't say he can't work. He's God. When men can't work, God still can. He's a God who neither sleeps nor does he slumber. When God gets ready to work, he can work even the most adverse conditions, whether it's day or night. When God gets ready to work, he doesn't need help from nobody nor the surrounding environment. That's why Jesus said, I'm the root springing up out of the dry ground. When I get ready to spring up, I don't need the rain. 
When I get ready to bless you, I don't need a specific reason or a condition. I can bless you right in the presence of your enemies, even in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of witches and warlocks, because I am God and there's no other beside me. I am God and beside me there is no other. I am God. Nobody elected me. Nobody appointed me. Nobody moved me in. Nobody can take me out. I can't be removed. I am God all by myself. I was God before anybody told me I was God. I was God before the thunder clapped. I was God before the lightning flashed. I was God before the clouds collided. I was God before there was a where and a when and a this and a that and it and a and. I was God before the angels sung their first hymn. I was God before you ever said hallelujah. I was God before the morning kissed the sunlight sky. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. If you believe I'm talking about your God, would you one more time stand to your feet and give him some praise? Hallelujah. 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 If God's going to give us the treasures of darkness, we must first understand what darkness is. And I want to challenge your thinking because darkness is so pervasive. As a child, I can remember being scared of it. I always hated when they would turn the lights off before I got to sleep. Because everything in the room began to look different. Every object began to look like a monster. The coat hanging on the wall, the lampshade in the corner. And in the quietness of the darkness, every sound was a creature coming to get me. There was times it even made me run to my mama's room. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't you try to act all brave and innocent. And I never forget one time when I was young. We had a window fan, big window fan, and you could look out it. And they turned on at night. We didn't have any air conditioning, so we turned the window fan on, fan on. One night, I thought I saw the Wicked Witch of the West looking in. I guess I watched too much Wizard of Oz. So what is darkness? Well, first of all, science teaches that darkness is not a thing. I know you thought it was a thing, but it's not a thing. So what is it? It's actually simply just the absence of a thing. Darkness is truly defined as the absence of light. It's the consequences of results of the absence of this thing called light. Because you see, light is quantifiable. It's a thing. It can be felt. It can be touched. It can be measured. Light can be measured by the speed, by its wattage. Sound is a thing because it can be measured by the decimals. You ever heard anyone say, though, it came at the speed of darkness? Why not? Because darkness has no speed. It doesn't have a decimal. It doesn't have wattage because darkness is not a thing. It can be more generally defined as the absence of a thing. It's what you don't have that makes times in your life dark. Come on, somebody. That'll preach right there. You see, when you have the absence of a thing, it can be a dark time in your life even if the light is on. You know now I'm spiritually speaking because darkness is not a thing. It's a void. It's emptiness. You experience when this thing is absent in your life. It's a place where I can't see my way clear or past my circumstances. Not because darkness has power. It has neither light nor heat. It has no power. The darkness is because of the power of absence, that thing you're missing in your life, to where you can't see your way out of the darkness. It's where hopelessness lives and grows. As this world becomes darker and darker, more and more people cannot see. Not because of the darkness, but because of the absence of the light. Yeah. 
Come on, somebody. That's why Jesus said we as Christians are to be the light of the dark world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. The only hope for our world is the light of the world, Jesus. He has all power over darkness. He's overcome the world, therefore we can too. He's the only hope for this world. He's the only thing that can dispel your darkness, fill the void and the emptiness in your life, give you what is absent in you. Evil lurks in the darkness. Evil is the darkness that blinds you, but has no power to destroy you if you're a child of the light. He has no power. Only by absence of light can he destroy you. How many people are aching over absence? Aching over what isn't there can be as painful as what is there. Now, you've had to live a while to understand that statement. What isn't there can be as painful as what is there. In this world of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, in this selfie world where everybody wants to be in the limelight, everybody wants to say, see me, selfie, 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 wants to be on the stage, wants to be the center of attention, wants to be noticed, wants to be recognized. I see it every day, which is being driven by an absence of something. It's difficult to get them to understand God does his greatest work not in the light, but in the dark. Matter of fact, when God gets ready to prepare you for the light, he first puts you in the dark to develop you. Like an old camera from back in the days. Used to, when you took a picture, it had to be developed. You'd drop it off at a store to be developed. And the developer would take the film to a dark room. Because if you gave it too much light too soon, you would ruin the exposure. Come on. Development was a process, but when done, what you got to show off in the light was what was developed in the dark. And so many people don't understand there's times in your darkness God is developing you. And if you try to come out of it before you're fully developed, you'll ruin your exposure. God will keep you in the dark until he has developed and prepared you for the light. Till he's through doing what was necessary for you to be developed. In this microwave age, we want everything through a faster and a faster process, bypassing the things we need to be developed, running our exposure in the light. And then we wonder why we fell because we weren't ready for the exposure. God works in the dark. He never stops working. He never stops working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when you can't see it, he's working. Hallelujah. This season that we are in is preparation for what God is fixing to do in our lives. The first thing God teaches us in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis is about darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It covered the face of the deep. But if you read on, you will see where the darkness didn't stop God from moving in it. It didn't stop God from developing in it. Because the Spirit of God moved in the darkness. He didn't wait for daylight to come. The Spirit of God moved in the darkness. God sent me to this stage tonight to declare to this world in this time of its darkest hour to declare to someone in their times of darkness, if you're going through a dark place, going through a void of something, going through an absence of something, going through a place of emptiness, if you're covered in darkness, it doesn't stop God from moving in your life. The darkness will stop God from moving on this earth. The Spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the earth while it was covered in darkness. And then God said, let there be light. And the darkness ran. 
I said, and the darkness ran. The light, his light, dispelled the darkness of this earth. Darkness was a spell that was on the earth and is still yet today. And the same spirit that dispelled the physical darkness then is the same spirit that can dispel the spiritual darkness today. Jesus is the light of the world. When he is the light of your life, his presence will dispel any spell that has come over you. Darkness runs from the light. And I want to tell every witch and sorcerer that might hear this message tonight, run. Darkness is not a thing. It's an absence of a thing called light. It has no power over you. God can still work. No matter how dark things get, God can still work in the dark. When God started to create the earth, he started the job in the dark. When God allows a woman to collaborate with him to create a human life, he places the embryo in the darkness of her womb, and he keeps it there to develop him or her, preparing them for the light through a process of time to be birthed at an appointed time. He can move in the dark. When God got ready to create the first woman, he put Adam asleep in his dark time, his time of loneliness. When God seen it wasn't good for him to be alone in the dark time, he pulled out of him what he didn't even know he had in him. I'm telling you, too, that in your absence, you still got stuff in you you don't even know that you got inside of you. If you're in the dark, it's because God's fixing to pull something out of you that you didn't even know was in you. Treasures that are hidden by God in you, that come from the secret places hidden in you, that when it happens, you're responsible like, wow, I didn't know I had that in me. Where did that come from? I never dreamed I could have. I never dreamed I would have. I couldn't see, never seen nothing good coming out of me. I never dreamed I'd be called to preach considering my family tree. For 20 years, I believed I was only who people told me I was. I thought I was a nobody. I thought I was a failure. I thought I was a reject. I thought I was an orphan. I thought I was the black sheep of the family. But God had placed something inside me that I didn't know was even there. That while I was in my darkness, the Spirit of God moved on me. Dear Lord, who am I talking to in this place? Is there anybody in here that's listening to this word tonight and says, you're talking about me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As long as you take a bag of seed and place them on the shelf in the light, don't expect anything to grow. Because the seeds were designed to produce in the dark. That's why a seed has to be planted. Because in the privacy of the darkness, seeds begin to grow through metamorphosis that they could not go through in the light. And I want to publicly thank God for allowing me to go through changes in my darkness. I'm thankful he didn't do it publicly. He did it in the privacy of my secret chambers where I wrestled and I struggled through the changes and the adversity it took to cause me to change. Although it wasn't pleasant, it was necessary for me to develop to become who I am today in the light. What you now see in the light is a result of what God developed in me through my darkness. And when I was prepared, God said, let there be light. Expose me to be me. Therefore, I walk in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses me from all sin. I came to preach to people of this nation that is in a dark place. 
I'm doing what's been prophesied. We will preach to the nations. I've come to talk to each individual that's in a dark place. Those that are feeling a void and emptiness, resigned to a barren place, looked at, locked up in a spiritual prison. It feels dark, and it feels like in those places, you feel like you can't see past anything. You feel like you can't get over it. You feel like you can't see no hope in it. I've come to tell you where you're at today is not where you're always going to be. That God, in the privacy of your chambers, is fixing to bring something out of you you didn't know you had in you. You didn't know you had anything left to offer. You didn't know you had anything left to fight with. You didn't know you had a chance to win. You can't see your way out because it's so dark. You didn't know God had hidden treasures in the dark to give to you. That he had stuff hidden in a secret place with your name on it. You didn't know as a child of light you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When God went into covenant with Abraham... It not only affected his life, it affected his children and his children's children and his children's children's children and his children's children's children and his children's children's children. What am I trying to say? Some of the things you're going through aren't all about you. It's about those who are coming after you. It's about God breaking a curse through you. It's about God breaking a curse off of your future lineage. It's about that child you got. It's about that promise you got. It's about things you don't even understand right now. It's about how receiving these things which are absent in your life are necessary to your development. And then after a while, when you come out of your darkness, when God calls you out of your darkness into his marvelous life, it's for you to show forth of your praises to him. And while you're doing your victory dance, you're going to declare, God moved on me in my darkest hour. Oh, something's about to happen in this place for someone. You've always been afraid of the dark. There's need for you to be any longer knowing what you know now about the dark. God's fixing to move through your darkness and shout, let there be light. And at that moment, you're going to spring up. And behold, I do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, you thought when it got dark, you were finished. Nope. It's when God started to develop you. It's when God's desires to show himself strong on your behalf. He'll take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it into your good. He'll use it to make you stronger, to mature you, to show you his glory. He's got hidden treasures promised for you in your darkness to fulfill what you're absent of. The transformative power of God that has the ability to turn this into that is often done in the dark. To bring a Abram, Abraham out of an Abram, to bring a Sarah out of a Sari is often done in the dark. He puts you in a place of privacy, and then he brings about, he brings about change in you. Now, to my text. This is my introduction. In my text, Acts 9, 1 through 9, the notable character in this passage is a man named Saul. He's known to be a very intellectual man. He's respected by the scholars for his intelligence of the law. He was bilingual. He could speak in five different languages. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. That means he comes from an order of kings. That's why he was named Saul, reminiscent of the king of Israel, the first king. It was his Hebrewistic name, Saul, trying to declare he was somebody important, and he was so wrong. He's also the same little boy who held the coats as they stoned the Christian Stephen to death at the gate of the city. He started out early seeing Christians being killed by religion. Those early impressions helped him form his ungodly behavior. 
Whenever you teach children to hate at such an early age, it's hard to get those impressions out of them. Boy, are we seeing that today. Our children are watching us, and our character is influencing theirs. So in his case, Saul grew up a religious hater. Don't seem so shocked. That's not that unusual. Religion often hates. Religion often kills. It starts wars. Look at the Middle East. It burns innocent women whom they called witches. And when they found out later they were wrong, they refused to apologize. It can be a dangerous thing. That's why Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us a relationship. And when somebody has a relationship with God, somebody who only has religion tries to kill him. That's why the most dangerous enemy Jesus ever encountered was religious people. The sinners loved him. The poor, the broken, the hurting, the crippled, the hungry, they loved Jesus. It was the religious folks who hated him and sought to kill him. And that's the irony of this text. Because now we're dealing with the next generation of the same story. The little boy who held the coats while he watched them stone Stephen has now grown up into a man. And the Jesus he was taught to hate is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But yet the fight continues to prolong. See, Saul is now what we would call today a terrorist. He's a murderer of Christians. And he thinks he's justified by his religion to do it. He thinks he's doing God a service. Beware of someone's ministry that is defined by who they are against. Your religion should not make you hate. It should make you love. And anytime you see one, someone who claims to be a Christian stick their chest out and brag about who they don't love, they don't know Jesus. They've just been schooled in religion. So Saul is on his way to Damascus to do some more killing. The religious man is a Christian's greatest nightmare. And this time, he's got the paperwork given to him to do, go do this deed. And guess who he got the paperwork from giving him the authority to go do this? The priests, the religious leaders. Permission to drag these Christians back to Jerusalem in chains and persecute them till they're dead. But while he was on his way, God canceled his assignment. He stopped it. Now let me tell you something. I don't mind you coming in here shouting about what God gave you, about what you're driving, about what you're wearing, or about where you live. As long as you will let me shout about what God had stopped, about what God has kept me from. Let me shout about the many times in my life when bad things were headed my way, but just in the nick of time, God stopped it. I should have been dead by now, but God stopped it. I can't name the times. Had it not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't have made it this far. I don't even know how many times the enemy's assignment's been on my life, but God has stopped it. Is there anybody in here that can testify, I should have been dead, but he stopped it? Testify that you've seen calamity coming down your street, headed straight to your family, but just in the nick of time, God stopped it. He stopped the cancer. He stopped the suicide. He stopped the repossession. He stopped the depression. He stopped the fear, the anguish. He stopped the attack just in the nick of time. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he stopped it. 
Anybody had been through as much as you've been through should have done had a nervous breakdown. But God stopped it. See, there's a lot of almost folks in this room tonight. You almost didn't make it. You almost didn't get there. You almost didn't get through it. You almost didn't get to keep it. You almost quit. You almost failed. You almost died. You almost left. But just when your enemy thought he had you, when the papers had done been signed, when he thought he had the authority to do it to you, God stopped it. And God showed up and showed himself strong on your behalf. Can you give him some praise? I could spend the rest of my life thanking him for the things that didn't happen, for stopping the things that could have happened. And if he never does anything else for me, I'll still be thanking him for that when, he's, when it's all done. He knocked Saul off his horse while he was yet just a little ways from Damascus. It was a close call. He almost got there. But now, while laying on the ground, he looks up, blinded by a bright, blinding light. And he asks, who is it, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now, wait a minute. Throughout all the Bible, you'll never see where Saul attacked Jesus. Yet he says it's Jesus that you persecute. Saul never physically attacked Jesus. He just attacked those who believed in him. So that means Jesus is saying, when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. So that is why Jesus says, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. Remember when he said, you'll be persecuted for my name's sake? But when they persecute you, they'll be persecuting me, and I got your back. That's why no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'll take it out. I'll cancel the assignment. That means I've always got help in my present times of trouble. That means that when the enemy comes after me, God takes it personal. Look at your neighbor and say, you better quit picking on me. You think you can because I look like I'm alone. Boy, you wrong. I ain't never alone. Because he sticks closer to me than a brother. You thought you were picking on a nobody, but you're mistaken because to God, I am somebody. Now, I love how God shows up. God could have just appeared to Saul. No, he knocked him flat on his back off his horse and appears with a great light so bright it literally blinded Saul. It had to be bright to be seen brighter than daylight, causing Saul to lose his eyesight. Matter of fact, the light was the last thing he saw before everything went dark, before he entered into his dark place. The Bible says he was blind. It was dark, but it wasn't over for him. God placed him in the dark place for a reason. It might be dark for you right now, but I've come to tell you it isn't over for you. The world may be dark, but it isn't over for it. Since darkness can be defined as the absence of light, the absence of a thing, you might be going through a season of the absence of a thing you legitimately need, but it ain't over for you. These dark times, we might have to function for a while without the thing we need, but it isn't over for us. And God has promised us the treasures of darkness. In order to receive them, light must be absent. It must be dark. That's why when he gives us the treasures of the darkness, that's when we get them. You see, God's already got a plan for darkness, no matter how dark it gets. He knows how to dispel it. But there's times he has to take away light so he can incubate what he's planned for your life. He don't stop moving because it's dark. 
They once did an interview with a blind woman. They said to her, it must be terrible to be blind. I can't imagine what you go through. I feel terrible for you. Tell us in your own words, what's it been like? She said, oh, not so bad being, it's not so bad being blind, really. I would believe it's better to be blind than to have eyesight and not have vision. I want to say that again. I believe it's better to be blind than to have eyesight and not have vision. I'm quoting Helen Keller. She said, I'm really doing better than you. I'm just blind, but you have eyes but no vision. Do you realize how profound that statement was? She may be blind, but she has made clear distinction between eyesight and insight. She don't operate by eyesight. She does it by insight. She don't depend on what she sees to dictate her response to her circumstances. She depends on what she believes in here to determine her reaction to her circumstances. Saul has lost his eyesight, but we see he gained insight in here to whom God really was. Sometimes you have to go through things so you can get insight into what your eyesight can't see. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. They believe in insight they've received by experiences they've had, by the encounters they've had with God. That's how I became rooted in my beliefs. That's how I came to receive insight of who he truly is. I remember saying, God, I know who this book says that you are, but show me. And boy, did he. I can tell you story after story of my encounters firsthand, my experiences with God that I can never deny, nor anyone can ever convince me it didn't happen. Why? Because I was there. God is an experiential God. Even if I can't see him, I can experience him through his presence. Your experience in his presence gives you insight. You need experiences to find out who you truly are, to find out you can, you can do what you never thought you could do, to find out you're tougher than you thought you were, to be able to believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Sometimes you have to lose your eyesight to get insight. You have to go through dark places. So you no longer focus on what you see, but what you believe inside of you. Too often your eyesight causes you to focus more on your circumstances than what's inside of you. You can't see the forest for the trees. We often react by what we see, not by what we know. Sometimes you can't be, be delivered by that that's around you. You can only be delivered by that that's within you. When Christ is in you, you have the deliverer in you. If I look around and all I see is hopelessness, and I react to that alone, I will become hopeless. But when I look within me because of who he is in me, I can see hope. Because I believe, because I believe in who, he, who is in me. I can see there's more, I can see there's more for me than there are against me. Because I'm looking through my phys, spiritual eyes and not my physical eyes. When we're living in times where you can no longer believe everything you see, where you can no longer believe everything you hear, you can only believe what's in here. So sometimes to get through the dark times, you got to shut down your eyesight to help you get a focus and depend on your insight you receive from your knowledge of the word. The just shall live by faith and not by sight. 
My eyes say, I see a mountain in front of me. But my faith that comes from the inside of me says to that mountain, be thou removed. If you're constantly looking at the times we're in as a nation through your eyesight and it's discouraging you and it's making you want to quit, it's making you want to throw in the towel, it's making you feel hopeless, making you feel like we're going to go to hell in a handbasket, shut your eyes and get some good news from your insight. That which you believe that is inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The help, the things you're going to need to help you through these dark times are going to come from the inside of you. My help comes from the Lord who dwells inside of me. When the angel first came to Mary and said, Hell, Mary, you've been highly favored and will bring forth a son. She used her eyesight first to react. She looked around. She took inventory. She accessed her circumstances and then asked, how can that be true? I know not even a man. But then she took a look, second look inside of her and said, nevertheless, be it unto me according to his word. She knew his word said nothing is impossible with God. And her faith overcame her fear. And because she chose to believe her insight over her eyesight, as a result, nine months later, she delivered the one who delivered her. You see, faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. There's something within you that will deliver you. But in order to produce it, you have to go through dark places. Now, let me go just a little deeper. Saul has given up his eyesight. He had to go to a dark place to get his insight. He started out leading men to do what he thought was right, but was wrong. And he ends up now having to have these men lead him. But when they're leading him in spite of having him no eyesight, he gained insight of who God was. For three days, he stumbled around in the dark place he was in. Can I tell you, I have found some of my greatest blessings by stumbling into stuff. I didn't plan it. It wasn't planned for me. Here I would be stumbling around in my darkness, but I would find myself stumbling into blessings. Have you ever been there? You weren't expecting nothing, especially considering the place you were in, when you were at the end of your rope, when you couldn't pay the rent, when you were working on your last nerve and the mill barrel was empty, you were stumbling around in a dark place, yet you found a treasure in your darkness. God came through even when it was dark. The darkness you were in didn't stop God from moving on you while you were in it. When you were down to your last breath, when you were down to your last chance, a miracle showed up. The money showed up. The medicine showed up. It's like it came out of nowhere, like it came out of a secret place. I found hidden treasures in my darkness that God promised me he would give me. Blessings showed up from places I never dreamed of, from people I never even met. My enemy even blessed me, no matter how dark it's been. I've never been forsaken, nor have I ever had to beg for bread. My God shall supply all of my need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want every person in this room who's ever stumbled into blessing while in a dark place to make some noise for the blesser. Hallelujah. While you were stumbling around in a dark place. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? You stumbled up on it. You were just stumbling around. Darkness was around, but you just stumbled right into it. Little did I know what I needed was already there. God had done been there before I got there and left some hidden treasures for me. 
I mean, I stumbled in my darkness upon a miracle. I stumbled in my darkness upon an answer I needed. I stumbled in my darkness to a deliverer. I stumbled in my darkness upon a new job. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but if you're in a dark place, I come to tell you you're about to stumble upon a blessing. In spite of the darkness, God's going to let you stumble into the right place at the right time. You don't even deserve it. You didn't even orchestrate it, but oops, there it is. Oops, there it is. Oops, there it is. Pressed down, shaken together. Will men give unto your bosom? God's got hidden treasures for the darkness you're in, for the darkness this nation is in, for the shape this world is in. God can't help but want to bless his people. He knows right where we are at. He knows what time we're living in. He had a plan at the beginning of time for the end of time. I'm trying to teach the power of insight and how vitally important it's going to be in the dark days we face ahead in the times to come when these perilous times do come. Your insight it's going to be more important to you than your eyesight. In these dark times, your eyesight is going to tell you one thing, but your insight's going to tell you another. Your eyesight will lie to you, but your insight will tell you the truth that's within you. In these last days, you have to have insight to whom God is and who you are in him. And too many are reacting to these troubling times with our eyes instead of the insight of our faith. As believers, we have insight. But I want to tell the world, it's not a time to have religion. It's time to have a relationship. It's not a time to know of God, but it's a time to know God. See, as a believer, we have insight to what's going on and whether we're going to make it or not. It's all, it's all in here. But what good is it in here if it's not in here? His word gives us insight to his plans and his promises. Somebody better listen to me tonight. This is relevant stuff for such a time as this. We got prophetic insight. Read it. No matter how dark it gets, read the book. In the end, God's people win. We must stand on the promises we have insight to. Satan is defeated. Darkness does not prevail. We're not going out as a weak, anemic church. We're going out without spot or blemish as a bridegroom of God. The church is not going to just survive in these dark times. I've come to tell you, it's going to thrive. Now watch this. i got to go back for a moment to a past sermon. i got to tell you again what I told you before. I wasn't playing then, and I'm not playing now. I truly believe what I'm fixing to say. Darkness is going to surround us. It's moving upon the earth. I'm talking spiritually again. But I still believe this. I still see the vision I had because I got insight. I hope you remember this when I tell you again. Or if not, maybe this time it might sink in. It may get dark, but it's not over. In Genesis 1, Josh, I'm going to quote Genesis 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then he said, let there be light. Now, here's what I believe. Just as physical darkness covered the earth in the beginning, the enemy's plan is to cover it again with spiritual darkness. 
People are going to be scared by what they see in the last days. It's already happening. Fear is going to be the greatest epidemic we've ever seen. The Bible says even men's hearts will fail them by what they see. But listen to me here tonight. Listen, here's some insight. The same spirit that moved upon the earth when it was covered in physical darkness in the beginning will be the same spirit that moves upon the earth in the spiritual darkness in the end. The darkness didn't stop God from moving then. It's not going to stop God from moving now. He began creating in the dark then, and he has been creating in the dark now. He has promised he's got hidden treasures prepared for our darkness. While we've been in our places of darkness, God has been developing some treasures in the darkness. He's got hidden treasures he's going to give to the world. You know what that is in these last days, in these dark times, in the midst of the darkness. He's going to say it once again, this time to the church. The church is the people. And he's going to say, let there be light. And all across the world, the light, the body of Christ, God's hidden treasure, the remnant church is going to begin to spring up once again. What I'm trying to say, don't be afraid. As long as he's the light of the world and the church is on this earth, darkness will not prevail. There will be a light that men will be drawn to. It's going to be pockets of light that are going to dispel the darkness all over the world, breaking the spells off of the lost, off of the bound, the hurting people that are going to be drawn to this light. And the greatest revival of harvest this world has ever known is going to happen before the second coming of the Lord when the trumpet sounds and the Lord calls us home. Although darkness will surround us, we will shine as a light unto this dark world. In this darkness, God's going to put the sickle to the field, and we're going to go out stronger than the enemy ever expected because the light of the world is going to dispel the darkness as long as Jesus is the light of the world and the church is on the earth, like I said. We'll never be totally covered in darkness. Jesus said we are to be the light of the world. This is the insight we've got to live by. Just because it gets dark, it's not over. In these times and things are dark in our life. When you feel helpless and hopeless and you can't see no way out of where you're at, as things grow dark, darker in our nation, around the world, where all you see is chaos and defeat, and it is prophesied to even go darker. Perilous times are to come in these last days. And to be able to thrive and not merely survive, you must learn to depend on your insight over your eyesight. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. But believe what's right in here in your heart. Your eyesight sees and says you were surrounded. There's too many to fight. But your insight says there's more for us than that's against us. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. Your eyesight says things look hopeless. Your insight says lift up your eyes, O daughter of Zion. Help is on the way. Your eyesight says you're going to be destroyed by this. But your insight says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Your eyesight tells everybody's against me. Nobody likes you. Your insight says, but if God be for you, who can be against you? If we're going to be the church, the light. It will be done by our insight and not by our eyesight. So many are blinded. and It's time to pray. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. To those who are in a dark place and feeling hopeless, musicians, if you'll come, feeling hopeless and helpless, and you can't see a way out of your circumstances, and everything is dark, then there's something that's absent in your life making it dark. I want you to remember, God changed Saul in his darkness. Saul, 
a murderer, to Paul, an apostle. He lost his eyesight in order to gain insight into who God really was. If you're in a dark place because of absence in your life, I came tonight to give you a promise from God that's, that's absolute, that will give you insight when you have no sight. I will give you the treasures of the darkest and hidden riches of secret places, that ye may know us that I am the Lord, which call thee by thy name, and the God of Israel. I come to tell you there are things God has hidden in secret places that he wants to give you while you're in your dark places. Somebody's fixing to receive a blessing tonight. You're going to go from hopelessness to hope. You're going to go from being down to springing up. You got stuff hidden in you. You didn't even know you had it in you, and God's going to reveal it to you. That's why you haven't lost your mind yet, haven't given up yet, haven't went back yet. There's stuff that's hidden in you that God wants to reveal to you. And when he's done giving to you, you're going to laugh again. You're going to love again. You're going to live again. From this night, night forward, you're going to walk by faith, insight, and not by sight, eyesight. Would you stand with me, please?